0: Uh, Dad, I've got a present for you. wait, Great. That's it.
1: It comes from the town of Corleone, and uh, it's authentic Sicilian.
0: Hello, and welcome to another bonus episode of the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson.
1: Oh, man, I'm Patrick Gremion.
0: Welcome to The Academy. We got an exciting one today, Patrick. We've been kind of uh, tiptoeing around. Oh, yeah. these movies the last few weeks and you know the more we talked about them more we thought about it and then of course last year with um you know, frankly the arrival of a new edition of this movie we we decided we had to talk about it, even though this is not uh part of the tradi- podcast the canon of the academy academy yeah. of course we're talking today about the godfather three or the god or godfather coda the death of Michael Corleone, uh, we have a terrific guest today—a great comedian, Matt McCarthy. Welcome to the Academy.
2: Thank you for having me, gentlemen. And Huah,
0: ah Huah, yes,
2: hoo-ah. <laughs>
0: And you know, on that note, I mean, the before this, this, this last time I watched this, like, this really is kind of the proto Huah performance from Al Pacino we, you know, we'll get into it in just a moment but this this predates Scent of a Woman but it does definitely feel like um it's on the horizon <laughs> where, where he's going with his acting style um but before we do that Matt uh we gotta know you know we we ask all of our guests what is your autobiography you know first movies video store experiences uh favorites kind of just general general thoughts on Al
2: um i suppose the first movie i ever saw al pacino in um i mean it must have been like when like adults had like around like christmas or easter or something and like the godfather was on the tv um, in fact, I specifically remember Godfather 2 being on in my Aunt Anne's kitchen and seeing the scene where De Niro is, you know, breaking apart the gun and he's putting different pieces down different chimneys. Oh, yeah. um, and and I remember asking my father, because then he goes to like, there's some, you know, Catholic celebration going on. And uh him like you know doing one of these, the sign of the cross, and I was like, uh, "What? Well, I, I don't understand." And my father was like, "Oh no, well you know the the mafia, the the, the Don Corle, they're very religious, very and the i don't like, I'm like, oh, so like they would kill people and then go to confession, and that got a big <laughs> laugh in the room, but I didn't understand what the, what I had said that was funny. But then after that, I mean, the first movie I must have seen start to finish without Pacino in would have been uh, Dick Tracy. Yeah, Mm. like for sure. And I we went to my sister took me to a midnight showing of that. And I used to uh, uh, I used to have uh, like it was like a T-shirt deal where like the ticket was on the T-shirt. like it looked like a ticket stub and it said dick tracy midnight showing the premiere and i i I don't you know it's one of those shirts that it's like whatever happened to that
0: yeah that sounds like i I would have been because dick tracy was one of my earlier ones Mm -hmm. as well i would have been very envious i was dick tracy for halloween two years in a row after
2: seeing that film yeah that was like that was wild it was like oh this is going to be the new (laughs) you know because it was it was like the superhero movies before the marvel you know cinematic universe type of thing the uh it's like oh batman like this is going to be the new batman and then there was the series of toys and they started at least on the boston rerun channels not rerun channels but the uhf chant the uhf channels in um the new england area started showing the dick tracy cartoon Mm -hmm. uh from the 60s i guess the 60s and it's it was awful also like (laughs) Dick Tracy's not even on the show it was always like some some chump some like sidekick who would like be dealing with like one of the like Dick Tracy villains it was the worst show yeah made no sense it's like why is this is not Dick Tracy like I I didn't tune in for Dick Tracy to be like Rod Serling and just be like oh what did what did Bat might get into this week? You and know, it, it was what... an
0: it, it was an animated show. I mean, it's not like they couldn't like Dick no, Tracy was, was busy
2: that week. <laughs> it was animated, and it was like you know, it it, it, it was like um, SpongeBob or Tom and Jerry, where there's not like one story for the half hour. It's like each segment is its own self-contained story, and each self-contained thing would be like some. Goof, some not Dick Tracy, but like worked on the crime force going after like Prune Face or Hammerhead or yeah. Flat Top or whatever. You know, it was just, it was the worst. I don't want to, but get it was this. like, but they were like, it was like if Batman hosted a Batman show yeah. and Batmite did all the crime <laughs> fighting each segment, it was. That's really highly,
0: it's highly disappointing.
1: Yeah, I don't want to. I don't oh. want to know about the adventures of Harvey Bullock. Like I want, yeah. I want Batman. Right.
0: Yeah. Oh golly, yeah, that would yeah. um not fly these days. I can't believe I was. Yeah, I was a real Dick Tracy head in 1991 ish when it, I think that was around when that movie came out. And yeah, I I never saw the animated one. We I I, I ended up getting a bunch of copies of the comic book reprints. That was kind of my delve back in time in the Dick Tracy series. Um, But, um, well, yeah, were there, I mean, obviously, were there any uh, others that kind of stick out to you going along?
2: Well, I mean, then once, you know, once I got to the point of um, like seeing, I think we must have snuck into heat uh, (laughs) and saw that in the theater, like, you know, that was around the time in high school when it's like buy a ticket for the PG movie and go yeah. into the R rated movie, mm-hmm. which actually we like went last night to the movies. And I was like, man, cause as we were leaving, I was like, I got that urge. I mean, we got to go home and pay the babysitter, but I was like, man, we should just go into another movie. And I'm like, yeah. that's like impossible now because of the reserve seatings. And it's like, you're not allowed <laughs> to sit next to anybody.
0: Oh, a but, lost art.
2: Yeah, that
1: also yeah. that would have been a great movie to turn into a cartoon, in my opinion. Like oh, heat, yeah. like, heat? Oh, yeah. heat. Heat, <laughs> heat, heat babies, whatever. Like you know, little yeah, little uh, Wangro having to run away from little Robert De Niro. <laughs> right. It's yeah.
2: it's just it's just Hank Azaria's character solving all the crimes. It's like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's
0: the character like, you ah. really, the character you really right. wanted to know more about, Hank Azaria. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, oh man, yeah, little little baby Al Pacino. He's got a great diaper. <laughs>
0: but yeah, you know, I think uh, the the first one I remember doing that on was we buy a ticket and we saw Gus Van Zandt's Psycho was oh, the uh, one that I distinctly oops. remember trying to sneak that I had to sneak into to go yeah. see. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it is it is what it is. I think you made a better call with Heat, but yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Oh man! I think I the first movie I ever snuck into uh, was God. It shows how young I am. Uh, Borat.
0: Oh, um, was it? Uh, yeah. But um, how was how was your uh, movie going experience? Was that your first time back,
2: uh, Matt? Uh, no, no. I've been as soon as as soon as it was like you know allowed. Uh, we went back pretty quickly. I think the oh. first. Movie we went to was um, nobody because it was like because like it opened back up and they were just showing like crack crap like it mm-hmm. just felt like they were just showing like reruns like yeah and it was just selling out like crazy like I think I remember talking to somebody and they were like yeah I checked and War with Grandpa is sold out <laughs> all week so oh no <laughs> but so the first thing we saw when we went back was nobody and that was just super fun and then it was you know because i mean i i've always been a big fan of just it's 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 harder now it was even harder before the pandemic because it was like with the reserve seating it's like you know you got to pick your seat beforehand but like i love i i am a fan of like movie roulette of just let's go and what's whatever's about to start is what we're gonna see Mm. you know Totally. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's that's the fun. Yeah, and with the um, reserve seating, you, you know, I, I see you have a, a new Beverly calendar up behind you, and um, they're doing reserve seating, obviously, right now for their new shows, but there was always, before the pandemic started, the kind of, like, mad dash across town yeah. to make sure I could get the seat that I wanted at a sold-out show over there. There was, it was both incredibly, like, Anxiety inducing, but there was kind of a thrill and excitement.
2: And boy, when you got the seat you wanted, it felt great. And I was trying really hard to uh, like refresh their dumb website and get tickets to <laughs> Hedwig, but it was like, it was impo- all of a sudden it, it went from tickets are going on sale soon to sold out. And I was like, come on, guys. It
0: was, uh, it was, v- it was very intense. We had, um, My wife had her computer up. I had my computer up and I had a cell phone with their page up as well. Yeah. (laughs) But um, but yeah, some of the shows like uh, Hedvig and I think the John Waters films and just were gone in, you know, seconds.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be like that for a while.
0: I yeah, I I, I got over there for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, last week and it was it was it was it was so nice to be back. Yeah. <laughs> just you know. And I, I got a tickets to a couple of things uh, this month that you know seeing um the McQueen double on Tuesday. Nice. Uh, Bullet yeah. and um but it was a getaway. Bullet always plays just amazing there. I saw it the last time through and somebody actually drove up in a uh, replica Mustang and parked it right oh, out Jesus. front which was really cool. Wow. <laughs> But it was definitely like there was a feeling, I don't know if you felt it um, like kind of like, I don't know, I felt like a hesitation from the audience at once upon a time in Hollywood to kind of start really engaging and kind of there like there was a nervousness the first hour mm. of the movie of like, oh, we're kind of like, oh, we're here. We're in a movie theater. We haven't been here for a while. It's much louder than I remember movies being. But then like they started cheering at the right spots and there was like um, random applause and stuff like that.
2: It was like it just felt so good to be back. In well, that I, I'll tell you the, the moment last night That I was like it, it was very comforting was we went and saw Quiet Place 2 last night and during the Trailers um, The trailer for a movie started And it was really interesting And it's like what is this movie And then the title card came up It said from M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> And the entire theater groaned at oh. once. Uh, And I was like movies are back baby. Yeah. We're back <laughs>
0: What a feeling! Oh yeah, that rules. Collective joy, collective groans. It's it's like when
2: someone
1: someone dunk's and then everyone claps or whatever. Like that's (laughs) mm, what a shared experience.
0: Yeah, Uh, uh, we're dying to get to quiet place too, but obviously with the newborn, we're um, deciding which one of us gets to go.
2: (laughs) It's basically well, bring them, bring them, put them in a in a soundproof box with. (laughs) a respirator, yeah. <laughs> and then people will just think it's like cosplay.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll buy him a seat. I'm not going to yeah. try and cheat the theater out of that. Right. Certainly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Just> put <laughs> the glass box on the
1: seat.
0: What a psycho! The movie box for for your baby. Yeah. I'll sell it on um Shark Tank. It'll be huge. Cuban will die for it.
2: But I love the uh, same that that face he made, like the, when they show that clip where he found out the NBA canceled the season, he's yeah. just like, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, I could have used that years ago when I was yeah. bringing up my kids. I see it. Perfect. I see, it. you know, he wanted to go see, I don't know, like in the 90s. Like, I don't know. I love trouble with Julia Roberts and Nick Nolte. And he couldn't because he had young kids. And, you know, yeah. this this would have been the answer for him. Yeah, I have that on Laserdisc somewhere, actually.
2: That's such a bad movie. It's a yeah. terrible movie. and um, It's really bad. And then they, it's like, <laughs> they hated each other. Yeah. And Nick Nolte was like, I felt like a sellout. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah. It's yeah, really there's some really
0: cool behind-the-scenes stories about how poorly all that went down. It's yeah. a, for, a, for a movie, Patrick, you probably have no idea what movie that is. No, when I think yeah. of Nick
1: Nolte, I think of Lorenzo's oil.
0: <laughs> of course. Yeah. That's George a- Miller. That's so cool that he, you know, could make Road Warrior and make Lorenzo's Oil.
2: It's yeah. the diversity you just don't see in filmmakers today. Oh yeah, and also Happy Feet. Those are yeah. like the,
1: the three the three flavors of Miller right there. You've got yeah, Mad Max, uh, Lorenzo's Oil, Happy Feet.
0: I mean, you know, Francis Coppola made Jack.
1: So. That's true. Oh man, and we're all still, you know, that's like you know, that's number three on my top twenty-five. Yeah, (laughs) you know what
2: I don't I do not have these uh, alphabetized I've been meaning to do that and I'm gonna get further and further away and pull down my phone if I keep (laughs) looking but it's like the cover of it is like it's it's just insane the happiest smiliest glossiest like prettiest (laughs) McNulty you've ever seen and it's just like this is the most artificial bullshit I've ever come across it's just like i love trouble
0: (laughs) yeah you could you could feel it every moment of the movie his regret for taking the movie and yeah it's it's pretty
2: rough yeah i remember yeah it was
0: because like that that came out in the summer we were out of school and julia roberts was kind of the um you know obviously the actress of the moment yeah and uh So my mother was very agreeable to any film Julia Roberts was in. So somehow we all got drugged to it on summer vacation to see that one in the theater. She's just
2: America's sweetheart.
0: (laughs) And, you know, it's it's, I love those experiences when you're a kid, when you are, you know, those first few years you see movies and you're like, everything's great. And then the first couple that you're like, oh, this one doesn't seem to be going as well as movies. I seem to remember. It's
2: kind (laughs) of like... (laughs) Like, oh, there's some duds out there. I remember
0: being really, really excited to see Spielberg's Hook,
2: Mm.
0: for instance. When I was watching it, I was like, I don't like this as much as I thought I would like this. Why is that? And, you know, spending the next 10 years trying to
2: figure out why I didn't like it as much as I knew I would like it. You're just like, oh, one day you wake up like like the, the fountains go off behind you and you're like, I love Josh. And you're like, Oh wait, hook isn't good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually just posted something on Tik um, TikTok about how um, uh, Hudson Hawk is like one of the worst movies ever made. Mm. And uh, a lot of people uh, decided that they were going to die on the Hudson Hawk is a good movie hill. Um <laughs> I was like pretty blown away. There
0: seems to be like, I've noticed actually there was some some Hudson Hawk talk on our end of film Twitter as well in praising Hudson Hawk recently as well. And
2: I'm I'm like, this is a notoriously (laughs) bad movie. Like this movie lost like $60 million type of shit.
0: It has one of my, um, it has a joke though that I, I have never been able to get over Bruce Willis cuts off a guy's head and his, his, his witty retort is, I guess you won't be going to that hat convention in July. Like,
2: <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like people are like, Oh, you know, cause I mean, if somebody wants to say, Oh, it's so bad, it's good. I'm like, all right, well, I don't know. Maybe I'd have to rewatch it. I remember it just being so bad. It was bad, but the humor in it is really upsetting. And then some people trying to say, like, oh, they were self-aware. And I'm like, no, no, absolutely not. Because if you watch this is in that this is in the I'm a blues singer period of Bruce Willis's career. Bruno,
1: the Bruno years.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: (laughs) God,
2: the era of Bruno. He like there is nobody who takes himself more seriously than Bruce Willis when he has a harmonica in his hands. Because this is this is coming off of him host. You ever see him host SNL? No, no. Oh, it's brutal. It's brutal (laughs) for the for the opening monologue. He does no jokes. He sings a blues song (sighs) from the record. Uh, You need a pep talk. And it's really like, I mean, He goes right into it and is just singing and he's got the harmonica and it is really, really uncomfortable. And then they do a sketch comedy show afterwards. It's it's uh, it's quite something quite, quite something.
0: I I, I tend to like Bruce Willis when when he's given the right thing, but I don't find him to be a very he's not a naturally very funny guy. And so I totally agree with you on the humor in Hudson Hawk, uh, not being it's it's kind of right. like I'm when, like this movie's not self-aware. I'm like
2: this is unfunny. Yeah.
0: It's when people talk about like Trump playing three-dimensional chess and being ahead of the game. It's like no, he's just a monster. Like right, it, there's no like grand scheme here. There's no like hey, if you think about it a little bit
2: more, you'd be surprised. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Look at this oh, guy. That's that Nick Nolte we've come to know and love this just well groomed, clean shaven, <laughs> gorgeous head of hair looking at they, Julia Roberts like I love trouble. So they they love seem to be um,
0: they seem to be like like kind of like melded together like out of a Cronenberg movie there in this in the way yeah. the photoshop oh, god, is
2: yeah. <laughs>
0: They're like it's like yeah. she's growing out of his shoulder
2: like a second head or something like look at this this is this is nick nolte at his most unhappy right there
1: <laughs> oh god it kind of looks like if you took like the mask and then put or like it's like Bat- jack nicholson in the joker when like he has makeup over his makeup that's kind of how his face looks in that picture. right
2: <laughs> I was just showing my son today. We were watching the Adam West Batman and I was showing him a picture of Cesar Romero. And I'm like, look, this guy, this actor didn't want to shave his mustache. So they painted over his mustache. And if you look closely and he's like, I can see it. I can see his mustache.
1: <laughs> now you are a man. Well,
0: that's um, yeah. The new version of that is uh, the whole uh, justice league mission. Impossible Henry Cavill. They wouldn't let, uh, him shave his mustache for um, Justice League reshoots. So they CG'd his mustache out. Oh, right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. A couple, like a million bucks to get rid of his mustache.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, to, to that mustache's credit, like that mustache does kind of make his character a little bit in Mission Impossible. Like, I think like it wouldn't, his character wouldn't be nearly as effective in Mission Impossible. It, it if he is. That little... Yeah,
0: it's weirdly necessary.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah like it,
2: I it mean, good it's, I'm willing to sacrifice a fake mustache or something. I did. I did a movie once with a guy like I I showed up on the set and the star was like, is is somebody I was I was like, I was like, oh, is that like the main guy? And they're like, yeah, yeah, he's really method. And I was like, that guy with the goat hair glued to his face. I'm like, why didn't (laughs) he grow a beard? (laughs) First of all. (laughs) Oh, well. You know, speaking
0: of method and speaking of uh, strange hairstyles, oh, man, we should probably dive into The Godfather uh, 3 and The Godfather Coda. Now, uh, Matt, did you see this one when it first came out?
2: Uh, no, I was a little too young. I remember that Christmas day, though, being at um, my cousin's house and my my brother and sister and my cousins uh, saying they were going to go. And I remember my Uncle John being like well, you're not going to be able to get tickets today. You know, it was like the biggest thing. It was like, oh, my God, they've made a new Godfather movie. Um, And then the first time I must have seen it. And of course, and it was like. It just became part of the. Ether uh, of like not even having seen the movie, like everyone was like, it's really bad. Yeah. Um, And then I would have seen it on you know one of the movie channels uh either it, it was it was sometimes we had hbo sometimes we didn't sometimes we had cinemax there would be like a free weekend but i i caught it and watched it and even as like an adolescent i was like oh yeah no this isn't good uh this isn't good at all um but yeah i mean like even like the haircut, you're just like, why, why does Michael Corleone look like Bart Simpson? What is this flat top we're rocking here?
0: It's so strange. And you know, I was reading in, um, I'm reading a Coppola biography right now by Peter Cowie. And part, one of the stories in it is that I guess Pacino showed up with fully long hair and said he wanted to have Michael have long hair. And they got in a big fight about what kind of hair that, that uh, Michael would have. And somehow this is what they ended up with. And I don't know how um, the guy from Godfather 2 would ever choose to have a hair style like this, but it's it's very strange. How long was his hair? What, what was he coming off of at this point? I mean...
1: Like Sea of Love maybe or...
0: this? I think Sea of Love... Um, so he he had done uh, see a love local stigmatic and Dick Tracy were his three movies prior to Godfather three, but yeah I don't I don't know what he was thinking I don't know because I I I don't know I think it's it's just it I think the hair is kind of emblemic of a lot of the just slightly off decision making that riddles this entire movie compared to, especially compared to the first two.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, it's 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 out of character. Um, I think in the you know in Godfather three, you know, if you want to say Coda is a different movie, uh, in Godfather three, I feel like Connie is very out of character. Um, I feel like Andy Garcia's character just feels like a putz. I mean, <laughs> Sophia Coppola is awful um and it's just you know it, 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 Diane Keaton's just kind of whatever i mean and and then the the story is so convoluted and confusing and 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 like i'm just like who the like and, and, you know you're just like there's the church and money and the 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 thing and the 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 company and george hamilton and like the fucking oh my god it's exhausting it's exhausting and then like michael corleone's kids hate him and but like the son hates him and the the you know you just like god damn it um you know
0: god. it's 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 just it's all it's overall strange <laughs>
1: I yeah. just, it's yeah. overall
0: strange uh, I'm going to give out some of the stats on the movie here before we dive too deep in the details uh released in 1990 directed by Francis Ford Coppola written by Mario Puzo and Francis Ford Coppola uh co-starring alongside with Al Pacino Diane Keaton, Talia Shire, Andy Garcia, Eli Wallach, Joe Montana, Bridget Fonda, George Hamilton and Sofia Coppola movie was budgeted at $54 million, made $136.8 million at the box office. The um, reception on the film is it holds a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. The consensus reads, the final installment of The Godfather Sega recalls its predecessor's power when it's strictly business, but underwhelming performances and confused tonality brings less closure to the Corleone story. Uh, the movie was nominated for, still was nominated for quite a few Oscars uh, looks like seven of them Best Film Editing, Best Cinematography Best Art Direction Best Original Song interestingly enough Uh, (laughs) Best Supporting Actor for uh, Andy Garcia, Best Director for Francis Ford Coppola, and Best Picture notably Al Pacino not nominated for Best Actor um and all of those Oscar nominations to me feel very like, gosh, we have to. It's a Godfather movie. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, I think that because I remember that this was my first memory. Of this was actually watching the Academy Awards ceremony where this was nominated and seeing the um, kind of like highlight reel clip of the movie uh, at that show. And then I never saw it again until the DVD actually came out later on. But um, I yeah, I remember Al Pacino's hair. I remember him yelling just when I thought I was out. They pulled me back in and then there's a great shot of them throwing the priest down the stairwell yeah. oh, from yeah. down below. And I thought that that was a beautiful shot. That was like the one thing I remember. Like,
2: it can't be all bad. That shot's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. I mean, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in is you know, that's, that's like a go ahead, make my day like it's beyond iconic, mm-hmm. that line. Yeah. And, you know, I think,
0: I guess we could start with like Al Pacino's performance in this. So, you know, he had spent most of the 90s. He had um, a series of flops toward the end of the late 70s, early 80s. He um, this includes films like Author, Author, Revolution. Um, Let's see. He had another strange one. Um, Cruising. Of course um, and you know scarface in between there, which was did well, but he took off mm. 1985 until 1989 for sea of love and was evidently doing strictly theater work and passion projects and that sort of thing to kind of rekindle some of his kind of spirit and but also evidently went broke so he had to get back in the mix on that because he was paying for a lot of these things. Um, And sea of love was his comeback. And then, you know, things like Dick Tracy and then into Godfather three. But, you know, I think like there's a big difference between, you know, when you think about like an artist like Al Pacino or Francis Ford Coppola, they made Godfather one and two in like a two year span in the seventies when they were in their thirties. Now they're in their fifties. It's been 16 years since they did these characters. And did this story, and they've changed as people, and I think Al Pacino has clearly changed as a performer, and having recently watched the other two Godfathers for other episodes, this is not the same character, period, <laughs> as the Michael Corleone we met in uh, the first two, and it's a little it's a little off-putting if you watch them all in a row. Would you agree, Pat?
1: Oh, 100%. Well, and it's also like, yeah, you can't imagine the i don't know it's like he's such a hero like kind of make him out to be such a hero in Godfather part 3 cuz like you have all these scenes where like you know everyone will like go around Michael Corleone and be like you brought us all money here cheers to you hip hip hooray. you're the great don like there's all these moments that kind of like try to like almost assure reassure the audience no Mac- Michael Corleone's actually a cool and nice dude who's like good uh when like the end of Godfather part two is like him killing his fucking brother, or ordering his brother to get hit. And like, you know, being a shell of a man as a result, we talk about how, like, by the end, we talked about in that previous episode, how, uh, like by the end of Godfather part two, he's like a shell of a man. Like he has like, like he's lost like that spark to, to live almost. And I don't know, like in this movie, he's like, he's playing like a, it's yeah, it's a totally different character. It's very odd. And like yeah. And, yeah, and the fact that like Kay is even around him and like there's like hint weird hints of romance between them that's fucking insane. like that is like it's it's bonkers, especially when like, yeah, the last time you see Kay in Godfather part two is like the door closing on her again, kind of like in the Godfather, you know, after she is not able to get a kiss from her son, you know, and then before that it's the abortion scene, which is like you know soul crushing. And I don't know how you go from, like, I had an abortion. I don't know how you go from, I had an abortion to get rid of your son to free the world, like, just to ensure that no more Corleones would wreak havoc on the world to, uh, hey, let's watch. Yeah, Italian commentary.
0: Their their stroll through Sicily as if they're in Before Sunrise together.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, they're link around Sicily. It's like, what is happening?
0: Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just totally it's, it's very, it's jarring. It's very strange. And, you know, I think um, it's interesting you describe Matt, uh, Andy Garcia, as a putz in this movie.
2: Yeah. Cause there's a... such a, you know, he's got his leather jacket. He's just <laughs> like, like, shut up, dude.
1: Well, he thinks he's way cooler than he actually
2: is. Well,
0: that's is. the, um, that's the other thing too, especially cause, you know, we noted um, Donnie Brosco, which we've watched. For the show, and we'll be talking about next week again, um, takes place in a very similar time period as The Godfather Part Three. But The Godfather Part Three feels distinctly like it might, they might claim it's set in the 70s, but it feels distinctly 1989, 1990 in every other
2: aspect of it. Yeah, especially Bridget Fonda. Just, she just feels like, you know, this woman is not in the 1970s right now. Mm-hmm. Um even just like Al Pacino, it's like because in Godfather one and two, you've I feel like I'm watching Michael Corleone. In Godfather Part Three, I feel like I'm watching Al Pacino. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Thank you. Think, uh,
1: yeah, I also and, feel uh, feel like that. Like Godfather Part Three, like in some ways, like feels more like a traditional movie than the previous two. Like I think about that scene, uh with al with with andy garcia where like uh, bridget goes to get like a, a andy some water uh and uh oh, and the was,
0: assassins like, are the, there
1: yeah the two goons and then he like murders them like and he's rambo or whatever it's like it's it felt that felt like very like uh it felt like something that would have never happened in the previous two godfather films yeah
2: it doesn't feel like because everything that happens in one and two is like it's like you're it there's something voyeuristic about those movies because you're getting Ooh, yeah. a glimpse into the the underworld of the mafia and this mm-hmm. this is how they would do things and like you're right that scene is very like go ahead shooter or i'll get another one or whatever he says yeah, it it's just like, like
1: it's like commando or something yeah. yeah
2: ice ice <laughs> to see you and it's just like <laughs> you know <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, that'd be, see the movie would be great I give it another score if, if Suddenly he turns out It's like a Mr. Freeze origin
2: Yeah <laughs> But yeah no you're right There's nothing like Oh he's he's a guy in the mob Like what would a guy in the mob do If Yeah Like guys came in to whack him mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. it's It doesn't even feel like a whacking It just feels like There's just dudes there Generic
1: action
0: But yeah, also I mean the way it leads up to it The way he like Just just has kind of decided he does not like Joe Montana's character. Oh. And like, we don't really get an idea of like, was he like, what is there? Like it's, it's just the relationships are strange. And you know, on that note, you could throw Joe Montana into the same pool as uh, Andy Garcia, both actors I like, but um, oh, they're great. Yeah. both actors who seem to be very aware they're in Godfather part three and want to <laughs> Godfather it up in their yeah. performances. <laughs> and I think that that's kind of the, um, because, like, the guys that he had, like, you know, we were praising Joe Sfinnell, the last episode, uh, who plays uh, Willie Chi Chi in uh, one and two. And all the guys, though, the guy who plays Clemenza, the guy, you know, uh, Abe um, Tessio, just down oh, the yeah. line, he was, like, casting, like, interesting faces who fit the bill a little bit more than grabbing, you know, stars who wanted to be in part of a Godfather right. movie. Uh, though I still stand by, you know, I think like obviously the incest angle, which is weird, obviously very <laughs> weird to begin with, that in this film, and this would be even weirder, but I think Nicolas Cage would have absolutely knocked it out of the park as Vincent.
2: Oh my god, that dude! Now you're singing my song now, <laughs> now. Now that's a fucking movie.
0: Yeah, I think uh, shit. All of his decisions decision making because to think about him even that scene where he sends bridget fondant how cage would have done that would have been like
2: yeah so like, surprising and yeah nicholas cage is like just pound for pound like any you know any garcia god bless him but it's like can't fucking touch <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. nick cage can do in a role i mean my god <laughs> in heaven there's just no there's no there's it's not even a fight it's just like mm-hmm. you know Cage doesn't even have to show up Andy Garcia should show up and say I'm sorry uh, I forfeit
1: yeah. <laughs> now I'm Joey Zaza yeah. <laughs> Jesus.
0: and you know actually Andy Garcia probably would have been great as Joey Zaza I think he would have been done a nice part in that Let like lesser role but kind of come in as the hothead I mean you think about how he did in like it, he, Because I love him in like, you know, Eight Million Ways to Die or um, Untouchables, that kind of stuff. I think he's great, but I think, um,
2: yeah, I think he, yeah, I Depends, think. Depends, yeah, like things to do in Denver when you're dead or, um, I mean, even in, in like the Ocean's Eleven movies, it's like Garcia's great as that guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. well, he's
0: he's not the like the fun guy. He doesn't get to be in the Eleven. He, he's no. the guy that they're trying to pull one over on. well not
2: i think like the last one he's like part of the oh the heist and that but that's like the wackiest which al pacino um,
0: of course is the guy getting heisted in that one in right of one. course <laughs> you
2: know i mean jesus christ isn't that the one where they're like where they're like julia roberts character they're like well doesn't she look just like julia roberts that's, that's in that's the like, that's Mark- in
0: the second one and like Bruce willis one? shows up and thinks it's
2: Julia. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Hey, <laughs> Julia, what's going on? It's like, what the fuck are you doing? And why does it also somehow work? Because it's so fucking insane. Kind of the um, Soderbergh
0: magic that he seems to be able to pull off these stranger choices.
2: It is that- like something that would have happened in- and what's, what's, what's that? I don't know if it's his first movie, but what's that like? it's one of his early if it's not his first movie, it's one of his earliest movies where he like stars in it.
0: Oh, Schizopolis.
2: Yes. That's something that would have happened in that movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because at one point there's a character in that movie that like gets an offer from a different movie (laughs) mid role. And he just goes, fuck you guys. I'm I'm going to go be in this movie now
0: (laughs) Yeah, because he had because that was I believe it was Soderbergh's. um, It was his fourth movie. And I believe because he had done sexualizing and Videotape, which, you know, put him on the map. He won both yeah. Sunday. He won Sundance and Callen Film Festival, which is very difficult to do. Um, and then, you know, he did Kafka and then he did the underneath. And now the oh, uh, King of the Hill was in that area, that area, too. But none of them really like struck. And I think he felt like he was kind of on the outs with his career. And that led to So he
2: leaned into it.
0: Yeah, he leaned into it big time by making a pretty bonkers movie. And then like the very next thing he did, I believe, was out of sight, which brought him, you know, right back in there. And out of sight, I mean, just a terrific, terrific movie, movie, you know, Mm -hmm. a great one. But um, yeah, it does feel like, you know, Patrick, you had brought up, I guess we should probably get into speaking of casting. um, Sophia Coppola. (laughs) Yeah. It it it's yeah, I love I love her work. I'm a huge fan of her oh, yeah, as a filmmaker. Um but sure. yeah this is uh this is pretty it's you know, you wanna like, you know, I, I every time I go into a movie, especially something that might be a little bit something specific that might be spat on by the critics or the general audiences. I'm trying to be a little bit contrarian and like, oh, I'm gonna find something about this that's actually good this is pretty tough. She's, she's just, she's just doesn't really have it in this part.
2: No, no, very, very not. Very not. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's like, I guess you could like, if you wanted to be like super charitable, you could like say that maybe she's just like making a choice to play her character is like Detached from reality as possible, which is
0: what Richard Brody claimed in his New Yorker article, saying Godfather Three was the best in the uh, series. When the when the coda came out, he basically said it like predates a new performance style that is in like her movies and in the mumblecore movies and that kind of thing and like that's great if it did uh this is a godfather movie my man
1: <laughs> Yeah <laughs> like, you yeah. can yeah yeah we can't we can't like do a duplass style brawl like Yeah you know? I yeah. mean
0: this isn't the puffy chair man this is <laughs> yeah. godfather 3 Yeah
1: like yeah I mean and yeah and, like in and just you know like if if S- Steve Zissis or whatever in dodeca pentathlon or whatever that movie was <laughs> That's that was it yeah started started like you know acting in an operatic manner you know uh comparable to fredo you know we'd be mad too like that's because that doesn't fit the that wouldn't fit although honestly if fredo was in a mumblecore movie that'd be pretty sick i don't know yeah Maybe that would that probably I'd be the that'd if, be good. if fredo got a
0: side <laughs> movie it would just be him in vegas trying to prove himself for 90 minutes talking to himself it'd be good yeah um But yeah, I think, you know, and I noticed in the coda, he actually took out the most jarring line that Sofia Coppola has, Mm. which is, you know, after he names her in the in the big party scene, the head of the Vito Corleone Foundation. Mm -hmm. there's this part where they're at like uh they're on like a rooftop terrace having breakfast together she goes dad she literally says dad am i just a pawn and is this like a shadow organization for you or (laughs) something like that and you're just like yes that's exactly what's happening here and they for coppola was smart enough to just drop that line entirely from the um from the coda i was curious actually in the coda how he was going to um if he was going to try to um massage her performance a little bit
2: more well he definitely did by just cutting it down and like, <laughs> trimming it here and there i mean i think coda is it's it's i went into it so with so much skepticism but like just but oh more curiosity than than that And was just, uh, I mean, it's such a incredible example of uh, the power of editing. Um, Because it's, there's not a whole hell of a lot that's different. But the things that are different make such a... um, noticeable and remarkable impact um it's just i mean it's 20 minutes shorter first of all so mm-hmm. like obviously there is quite a bit cut out um and then the opening scene occurred like in godfather 3 it occurs right, like, maybe like 40 minutes into the movie or something at least. I mean, yeah and then it's now it's the scene that opens the movie and it's actually like okay now i understand because it's the first thing you're showing me. So show me what the hell the movie's about. Because I watched Coda and was like, I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed it and felt like it fit in more with the other two. So then I immediately watched, I was like, maybe I've just been wrong about part three this whole time. So I watched part three again. And immediately I'm just like, why are you doing this? The whole it's just, it's, it's wild, it's wild. So like that scene, it, it, when you open with the movie with that, it mirrors the first film, you know? And to a certain extent, the second film, even though it occurs a little later, but it starts with a meeting of Michael talking to, you know, the Senator, or whoever, the, he's the mm-hmm. Senator. And it's like, this is it. This is like, we're setting up the movie you know uh the other guy is waiting to get in and can't see him you know the old man had too much wine that whole thing and it sets up the world and it sets up this idea that you know it is a decade and a half later um he is older he is it's it's like oh this is and he's having a meeting with you know a priest and not just a priest but like uh, a cardinal um and it's, and it's just this, uh, there is this, he's looking for redemption. Like he's been torturing himself for the last 15 years. And then the moments in the movie where that comes out, you know, the confession scene or like the, the, the stroke or, or whatever it is in the kitchen. And he starts screaming Fredo's name. I mean, it's just, it's, it's like, I, I can't believe it actually works. The the shit with like K somehow starts to because it's like she hates him, you know, but like the, the Sofia Coppola stuff is 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 trimmed. That whole scene with Andy Garcia and Sofia Coppola in his restaurant making gnocchi and then fucking is gone. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, there's di- there's different music cues. I mean, just they also um,
0: bring Andy crazy. Garcia in earlier than they do in the Godfather three, which is, I think, important as well.
2: And they make such a better job establishing and making it clear who he is, how he's connected to the point where as I'm watching it, I it's the like, I always knew who he was supposed to be, (laughs) that he's supposed to be, you know, Sonny's illegitimate son. And then I think I read somewhere, I was like, oh, he's supposed to like when James Conn is having sex with the bridesmaid at the beginning of Godfather one, She actually got pregnant either then Mm -hmm. or the affair was continuing. Uh, And I'm like, oh, okay. Watching Coda was the first and she's in Godfather three, but watching Coda was the first time I was like, oh, wait, that's the same actress. She's with him. She's right there because we get right to it. And there Mm -hmm. is like, it's a family function. Everything is a family function. It starts with a wedding. It starts with the first communion. It starts with, this dumb award that Michael's getting, but he's just trying to hold his family together. Mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't believe it watching Coda. And I was like, I can't believe this works. I, I don't know if you've ever seen the um, extended cut of Terminator 2, um, but like, or the ultimate, edit, whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Terminator 2 is just such a, a tight, perfect movie you know, and I didn't even realize I was watching the ultimate edition or whatever it was, but I'm watching it and I'm sitting there and I was like, I turned to whoever I was with and I was like, I don't remember Terminator 2 Judgment Day being this boring. Um, (laughs) And it's just one of these things where it's like they just made the scenes where they're hanging out and talking longer Mm -hmm. um, to the point where it feels like there's no action in the movies, like They get chased by the, by the, 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 my Christmas clock is going off. They get chased by, you know, the T-1000. Then there's just an hour of talking. And then it's all of a sudden uh, Schwarzenegger blows up all those cops in the parking lot. And then that's it. It, it's like, it just speaks to just tighten up the goddamn screws and get to it already. And you know, I we we
0: actually covered Cameron's entire filmography before we did the Pacino season, mm-hmm. and uh, we you know that was something we dealt with because almost every one of his movies has some level of an extended cut. Right. And you know, in reading up on it, like sure there might be nice scenes and all, but like the kind of glory of his work is those those theatrical versions are so. They just work so well at such a high level. They're so pleasing to watch.
1: Like I think the OG Terminator is like, what, 80 minutes or something? Maybe like 85 minutes? And it's... Yeah, and part of why that movie is so effective is because it's just short and to the point. And, you know, it doesn't... Yeah, you don't need to, like, linger... You know, not... Maybe... Um, and don't get me wrong like i like kind of how the uh, the original godfathers luxuriate through their fil- the, through the films but like maybe not every movie needs to have like you know the backstory or like you know or like a uh you know a five minute like you know flashback to fredo's death to remind <laughs> you that fredo
0: died that's another thing they got rid of too which yeah. is <laughs> very helpful <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Or you remember this from a movie all of you have memorized because you'd sold out on Christmas Day? Yeah, <laughs> previously Christ. on
1: The Godfather.
0: Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. But I think I agree 100% because I think um, I, I really love the idea that Michael, this idea, like he is turning to the Catholic Church as his way to kind of like soothe his rotten soul and kind of discovers that all the work he's doing there just is rotten. Right. as the gangsters are. And I think that that's such a cool theme and story to the movie and putting it up front and kind of like setting up that that's where we're going to go with this idea that I think is very, I agree, I think it's it helps yeah. the way the film works in general.
1: That is definitely like my favorite part of the movie. All the weird intrigue with the church. Like, now against, you know, now to speak against it a little bit, it is like incredibly confusing and muddled. <laughs> And it's kind of weird, like, you know, and it's like, why does this like Austrian man want to steal all this money in the first, like, you know, like, he, like, I don't know, like there's a lot going, like, you know, who's killing who gets a little odd at one point. Like, I guess like, I, I, it took me like two, uh, two watch throughs to finally realize, oh, the, uh, the Irish guy killed the priest with the T. I didn't realize it took me like, that took me like uh like to go through for some reason, I thought that like he would, who was like one of the victims of the murder spree of uh Michael Corleone, but uh, yeah,
0: all I mean, it, it's still, it, it still is somewhat confusing,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: and then combined with the kind of intrigue with Eli Wallach's, oh, benevol- yeah. guy who's benevolent and friendly, <laughs> but turns out not turns out to be very evil. Yeah, or um, murdered
1: by, uh, what was it? Like, he was murdered by... Uh, uh,
0: murdered with cannolis, I cannolis, believe. yeah, death yeah, by yeah. cannoli, yeah. Death by cannoli. <laughs>
2: Holy cannoli.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, b- by, um, by Connie, of all people. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: what an odd... That part could have changed. See, that's like a thing that needed to not... There could have been a better way it, of handling it's, that. It's,
0: it's, it's very interesting. I'm a, I'm a huge Eli Wallach fan, I think. I don't know oh, if Oh, he's, he's
1: great in this, actually. Until then.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, I mean, speaking of growing up, I mean, probably the most important film in my household growing up was the good, the bad and the ugly. So he stands um, stands tall in yeah. my in my movie history playbook. But, yeah, it's very it, this is it's a very interesting. But, you know, on that note, like um, to move into kind of the action set pieces, I think that the in both three and the code, I think the helicopter attack on the party is pretty awesome. And I think that that's a cool idea, and I'm I'm into it in both films. I think um the the Joey Zaza murder scene and Andy Garcia on the horse is uh is fun at the very least. It doesn't it it it's clearly like an allusion to Godfather two and De Niro going through the ceremony to kill uh Fiduci Fenucci Fiducci. Uh yeah. Fiducci. yeah. Oh, I love that. Black uh, hands. And I like um, and I think that the entire opera sequence does work for me. I like the weird twins. I think that that's a fun that um, he's got, mm-hmm. twi- you know, twin bodyguards. And I think that that's a cool thing. Um, and, you know, and Francis Ford Coppola, I mean, he's so talented and so good, even when he's kind of repeating himself the way that, you know, speaking of editing and speaking of kind of the way he builds up with those cross cutting sequences. It's just too, it's, it's so good. Even if like the movie going into that moment has been a little confusing and muddled. Like it's just fun to watch when with all that, you know, the the murdery cross cutting.
2: (laughs) Sure. Yes. Yes. And it's, you know, who but Francis Coppola would, you know, give an opportunity to a man who does a very convincing donkey impression. Oh, just God. not enough filmmakers giving guys yeah. like that a shot in hollywood yeah. these days
0: what, it, what i do love about francis Coppola is that you know for his yeah we talked a little bit about the last episode but you know godfather 2 was in essence kind of like a as big of a blockbuster as things could get in those in those days or apocalypse mm-hmm. now i mean he was at the very top but he's like he is a true artist and he does take weird swings and sometimes they really, really work. And sometimes they don't at all, but he's continuing to try and like try stuff out and see what happens. And he's, he's, he's open to strangeness. I mean, the movie he made right after this is a movie that I will stand by, which is Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula, which I think is a wildly bizarre movie and a wildly adventurous movie for a very established filmmaker. And there there's, there's a laser discovery right
2: there. Oh, damn. I mean, there, there are people who, I mean, you can't, you can't argue with, you know, his shit from the 70s. But there are people who like this more than other Coppola movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I just I, I don't see how you can put it against the Godfathers or Apocalypse Now. Um, or even for me personally like the outsiders but fuck mm-hmm. I mean it, it's 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 I think maybe people make the argument that's his last great movie mm-hmm. which
0: I, th- I think um, I think he could but I mean yeah it's not that I mean he but he made like even going into the 2000s when he was just enjoying his wine empire yeah. and being able to hang out in Napa and you know enjoy the luxury of that he was still making like you know films like is it youth before youth and twixt and yet another one tetro tetro um yeah which are pretty wildly experimental wacky movies and you know you always hear stories about that like george lucas wanting to do that or spielberg wanting to do that like oh i can go back to my roots and make a strange one but francis coppola is the only one of that generation who Like actually went ahead and did that. Like, I I always remember that story that when the Dogma 95 movement hit, Thomas, Mm -hmm. Thomas Venterberg, like, like came up to, I think it was Scorsese even at um, the Cannes Film Festival when Celebration played and Scorsese was raving to him about Celebration and how bold of a move it was. He goes, Will you join us. You can. And Scorsese's like, "I." I don't know <laughs> like, and They they tried to do that with they, they they actively were trying to recruit One of those filmmakers To do uh, A Dogma 95 movie And I think that there's such a um, There's well, kind like, of a risk I in f- that
2: I feel like of that generation That you know whatever they called themselves That group of guys um, It's like Scorsese Is the only one who hasn't actually Lost his yeah. touch Yeah You know, I mean, it's like you look at like De Palma or Coppola or like, you know, even Spielberg to an extent. I mean, he can still make a Spielberg movie, but it's just like, all right, we get it. Come on, Steve. (laughs) We get it. Tom Hanks is wearing a hat. Okay,
0: (laughs) the news is important, you know, whatever. Right, But like
2: Scorsese at least was able to. I mean, he had his weird period, but then he was just like. Better hook up with uh, top box office draw, Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> and keep making movies. You know? Yeah,
0: and I think, I mean, his, his most re- Irishman, Silence, Wolf of Wall Street, his last, I believe those are his last three. I mean, those are like pretty wild swings, all things considered, for being big movies. And I, mean, I, I love did, all three
2: of them, too. Yeah. <laughs> did you guys do The Irishman yet?
0: Uh, no, that's we're going to be talking about that uh, in a later episode. But I mean, we're, we're both big fans. Oh
2: yeah, I am. I, I mean, I have yet to be able to watch it in one sitting, all the way through. But piecemeal, I've watched it at least three or four times now, and it's just like, I, it's just again, Scorsese, somebody that I hesitate to say it might be his best movie. Because it's like, how do you put anything up against Taxi Driver or Raging Bull or any of that stuff? But it's just like, I fucking love that movie. I mean, it's crazy.
1: It, it It's like both like bonkers and also extremely like heartening that you can like still release bangers well into your 80s. Like, that is yeah. kind of like, and it's like, okay, cool. Like, there is like hope for me to like, I can be like 85 or 82 and like Still create like a four hour epic that will be remembered. Oh, I mean, in the he's annals like history,
0: he's making a 200 million dollar western oh. right now.
1: Oh my god! Like, yeah. I
0: mean, how, how awesome is that <laughs> with Love DiCaprio, yeah. with De Niro? I mean, it's just
1: starring it's, Jesse Plemons, yeah. Jesse
0: Plemons apparently yeah. in the lead role. I mean, yep, that's yep. awesome.
1: Giving redheads uh, a shot at the, at the gold, well, yeah. <laughs> there we go.
0: I love, um, I do think, though, that it's interesting Irishman came up because I think that there is actually, between Godfather 3 and Irishman, quite a bit of um, kind of crossover similarity in what they were trying to accomplish. And I think Irishman actually accomplishes it quite a bit better of what kind of the, what a life in this universe kind of will lead to, which, you know, is sadness- and if you survive it, it might be
2: worse. Right. That's yeah. that's the thing. Because the, the clever part of um, uh, Irishman is the fact that it's such a click. The begin the, the opening shot, I was watching The Searchers. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, fuck. Because I, I kept trying to figure out what is Scorsese doing with this opening shot? Why is he doing this? Because he's a guy who is... It's so funny. People give Tarantino shit for like, oh, here's his diploma shot or here's his. Oh, he stole this from that. If you watch Taxi Driver. With at least on the laser disc, um, with the um, uh, Scorsese commentary on, he just goes, oh, uh, this is the shot I stole from such. And, so, th- 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 you know, this is the shot from this movie, you know, like, oh, I love, you know, any Val Luton, you know, when they're coming around a corner. That type, and it's just like he's so that's that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's what that's that all. Any artist who could acknowledge that they're standing on the shoulders of 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 other artists is, you know, always the best. But I'm like, what is this opening shot of The Irishman? And I was like, oh, he, he's just doing the opening shot of The Searchers. Like, that's what it is. It's like come into this world. Mm-hmm. And then the last shot being through the doorway, the Godfather, but he's he's saying, "Please leave the door open," you know, because he because this this because it's the whole movie he's lying, and then finally it just ends with him alone continuing to lie to himself, like this possibility that anybody's fucking coming, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's so funny that people complained about uh, Anna Paquin having nothing to do in that movie, and and never once considering the fact that. Could that possibly be the point?
1: Yeah, he,
2: he doesn't speak to this woman. The whole, like, that's, you've got a four-hour fucking movie, and one of your main characters doesn't talk to the other main character? It's, and they're, how many times are, are they in the room together? And it's just like, you know, all it is, is just like, well, why didn't you call her? And it's just like, I'll do it now, I'll do it now. You know, it's just like, fuck. That movie's fucking unbelievable.
0: You know, I think you could too, like bring up the Searchers for the ending, like the end of Searchers. John Wayne is walking right. away from the world that he can't be in, yes. whereas De Niro is sitting right outside of the world he would like right. to be in, like but he's he, not invited in.
2: Somehow, it's supposed to be like De Niro. It, it, that's that's the best case scenario mm-hmm. for those guys. Yeah, he never he never gets killed, never gets caught. I mean, you know, he serves his time, whatever. But, like, then he's out. My favorite line in the whole movie is when they tell him, like, I think it's Ray Romano's character died. And his his first reaction is just like, who did it? (laughs) It's like, no. No, he was old. He had cancer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, one of the great touches of the entire movie that, you know, is the whole, like, the title, the cards that pop up to tell you what happens to each of the characters. Yeah. So, like... Yo, I think that almost, so many of these movies like we were talking about with Donnie Brasco too it's like it's so strange how society has like made so many of these like cool guys who you want to like you know put your post, put their poster up in the dorm room yeah, of, like all these characters yeah. and they're all like just loser awful people who are all they're doing is killing their own friends right? pretty much and it's yeah. just it is amazing how many of these you know we're doing Pacino here so we've watched Almost all of them. (laughs) It's just, you know, and I think Irishman really kind of captures it because, of course, like the Pacino's death in the Irishman is so kind of shattering for, you know, to see. And, you know, De Niro doing in the hug that they have in the car right Right. beforehand. It's just it's. And it's it's the only
2: that he would not have gotten into that car if De Niro wasn't in there either. It's like, oh, I'm safe.
0: Yeah, it's. Really, really strong movie, and I guess that gets to um, as we're getting toward the tail end of this convo, is um, you know, the change in the ending here, uh, mm-hmm. of Godfather Three. You know, the kind of almost ironic title, The Death of Michael Corleone, and he does not kill
2: him on screen right. this time around, right? Just, I think a solid move, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, think I think it's so because it, it makes it so much more like what you were talking about of like the last time we saw him, he killed his brother. And now he's like, hey, maybe we could get some brunch. Maybe it's fine. (laughs) It's this is that last last gasp. Um, And then it's like you see you finally finally it makes sense. It's like, oh. He died there on the steps of the opera house. Mm -hmm. You know, that was it. That was that was it because he could still because the fact that the movie starts with him wheeling and dealing thinking this is how he can redeem his soul Mm -hmm. by being corrupt within his corrupt world in another corrupt world that has the best non-corrupt face on it is still you didn't learn anything and you're still in this he's still in this world of complete self-deception completely like he's upset about what he did to Fredo but is he upset about it or is he just want to not be in trouble for it? You know, does he truly yeah. want to make things right or does he just not want to be in trouble? That type of thing. And then when it kills his, his, his daughter, it's just, it's like, no, this is what you, this is what you get. Mm-hmm. This is what you fucking get, <laughs> you know? And then that, now he's, uh, now he's gone. Mm-hmm. the fact that you see him scream but it's silent is that oh it's just total emptiness it's mm-hmm. it's that man is evaporated and now he's just going to sit there he's just a, an, a shell literally an old shell sitting in the sun enjoy yourself good mm-hmm. job asshole he doesn't even get the moment
0: uh, that his father got of playing with the grandchild and right in making faces then keeling Legit over scaring in, a yeah. little kid yeah <laughs> absolutely wild
2: scene uh oh, yeah, um, one of my it. favorite moments on uh snl when when belushi does the godfather <laughs> but he does the Ooh, <laughs> thing. <laughs> it's <laughs> unreal it's unreal
0: but yeah i think i i think that i mean i think that there's still issues but overall there is some level of re- redemption, right. That this I mean, coda it is, it's, has gotten. It's
2: fun- yeah, because it, the, the fact that he and it, and it also helps too with Coppola up top saying, like, like, I don't know if you streamed it, what they do, but like on the Blu-ray, it's like it has him introduce it, and he's like, you know, uh, this is not supposed to be the third chapter in a trilogy. This is supposed to be coda. The you know, this is just mm-hmm. wrapping it up. Mm-hmm. And, but oddly enough, I feel like the way Coda is cut together, it fits in the trilogy better. Um, it, it, I don't know if that's ironic or, or what, but I, I can't. I can't. I couldn't get over it. I was like, I was like, fuck. He actually found a made to fucking to make it work. <laughs> yeah, it was impressive. And at like eighty years old, he's finally like, I know what the kids want.
1: the complete destruction of a man right yeah i
0: the only man i i picked it up on blu-ray as well and i saw the intro and i i wish he had done a commentary that was the only my i think it would have been so cool to hear him just Mm kind of go through his decision making on where he made the trims and moves and kind of what he was thinking i just Uh, want to hear more from him about that, I thought the intro was great, but it was just too short. Because he's such a interesting, smart, well spoken guy. That um...
2: well, it's just it's so funny. I guess it makes sense that, I mean, of that generation of guys, it's like him, Scorsese, especially even De Palma to an extent, even Spielberg. It's like there's such fast talking guys like Scorsese. Obviously, the most rapid of all of them uh, it makes sense because it's like that's their businessman on top of being artists I think Lucas is ironically the one that was most successful as a businessman he's the one who comes off the nerdiest and mm-hmm. the most like introverted like uh, well I have this idea for a movie you know um, I don't know what that says but it is it's interesting anyway
0: yeah no, I mean, they were the first to kind of, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about it, how nowadays, if you want to be kind of a uh, known filmmaker, a guy, guy or gal who kind of gets your statements, personal statements made, you kind of have to also be a brand yourself and you have to go on Kimmel and talk about it or whatever. Yeah, And they were kind of the first generation of kind of like... The John Ford's the world. I guess Hitchcock, to an extent, was on TV with his show, but you know the John Ford's the world, the Howard Hawks' the world, the guys that they all grew up with, they were workmanlike. It wasn't until right. like critics raised them to a new level, but like Scorsese appearing on TV, maybe Wells was kind of the example that they were using as someone who also appeared on TV a lot, but um,
2: yeah, um, became a star in their own right. Yeah, Hitchcock probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny too, because of like, you know, you think of like somebody being a brand and it's like Tarantino was at least clever enough to make his brand. I make movies about movies, which is what those guys did, but it just, they became such a part of the fabric that like, it's hard to think about star Wars in a vacuum. You know, mm-hmm. because now you mentioned Star Wars, you're talking about a brand. You know, you're talking about um, shit, fucking Halloween costumes and like commemorative cups, and you know, it's a brand. But if you talk about a movie in and of itself, in a vacuum, called Star Wars, that's like the closest thing you'll ever get to what Tarantino did with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, or like Kill Bill, because it's like. To think, like imagine if if Lucas had never, like, if he just made that movie and then moved on to his next movie and made like Indiana Jones or whatever, like the idea of just getting like a little piece of like it's a movie about those movies. It's about the serialized movies mm-hmm. about this, you know, space adventure like space cowboys, you know, space fucking knights, um, and you don't get those answers you just get that what, why do you think Uncle Owen gave that look to Aunt Beru you know what, what who what like what it's part just the fact that he started the movies on part four <laughs> it's like you know people want to be like oh well the original idea was it was going to be three trilogies I'm like bullshit he was making a movie about old movies mm-hmm. and it was too good and then it became like the snake just ate itself and then it became the thing instead of being the loving tribute that it was meant to be, yeah. you know, it's just, it, it's incredible to me. Even though the scroll at the beginning, it's, it's, if a kid today saw like old serials and saw the scroll, they'd be like, wait, what? Like that's the star Wars thing. You know, it, it became uh, a parody of itself. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It,
0: it is interesting. I mean, I remember when I first saw Kurisal was Hidden Fortress mm, and just being right. blown away by all of the parallels that went into Star Wars for that. Just, right. You know, you're it, you know, movies are in conversation at all times with like would, other movies yeah, and what came you before. That totally. Cuz it, it
2: it 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 would be like if um what's 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 the movie where you know you see everyone's point of view the 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 oh, same. yeah right it would be like if they made a movie would they made a cut where it's like now you see what actually happened <laughs> it's like wait no what why would you do that why would you do that there's the, it's it's you've ruined it that's like revealing who darth vader is in a way ruins it it ruins the mm. whole Thing making it in actually making a, a serialized set of movies about it as big as a fan I, as I am of them, yeah, ruins the original the beauty of the original film.
0: I I, I totally agree because I think that um, the Luke I am your father is the greatest twist in movie history, but it also yeah. may have ruined movies entirely. <laughs> um, yeah, as things right. progressed in terms of yeah. needing answers, needing a mythology, needing some level of like. Lore. somehow every yeah some lore somehow everyone's related to everyone you know and right. it's always a uh, i got to reckon like makes, with my yeah. father or mother's story
2: yeah you know it put so much pressure on you know the the sequels yeah that it was like you know i i felt like ray the the revelation that she was a palpatine being very satisfying and i didn't see it coming but it is it's like you know, you only have so many bullets in the chamber, you know, it's, it, it becomes that thing of like, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Like the, the level, like the, the fact that you have to keep expanding the scope of this like world when you could just have this one small movie uh, with, you know, that sense of mystique. Like I read the Godfather book for the podcast recently and one thing I liked about the movies more than the books is that the books kind of do explain everything in s- stark detail. Also, the books are right. incredibly horny, much hornier, than the, <laughs> much hornier than the movies. But, uh, but, uh. Yeah, I've read like-
2: the first book, like it is like, like with, with McCluskey, like they actually explain why he was a corrupt cop. It was just like, well, his sons went to Fordham and he had to pay tuition. And it's just like, why are you? What? Why yeah. can't yeah, he just it, be a corrupt cop?
0: Exactly. That's the glory of the movies. Like Shirley Hayden shows up, he punches Michael. He's a corrupt right. cop. We don't need any yeah. more detail than that. I mean, yeah. like hold him up. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but you brought up like you know like a movie like Heat. I I it's one of my favorite movies. And what I love about Heat is like I don't give a shit about like Neil and Chris their adventures before in yeah. like you know pulling off great jobs before we meet them in the first job right. I don't because give a shit the story yeah, do I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. give a shit about how Vincent he had three wives before his current wife and you know how he became a great cop and all this kind of stuff like it's just like they meet they go it ramps it up and it has a brilliant ending that is the appropriate ending to the story and I don't give a shit what happens to Vincent after that moment yeah, we don't mm-hmm. need like a movie. yeah,
1: we don't need like a ten episode miniseries that details how Tom Noonan's character ended up in a wheelchair. Which,
2: which is like... what <laughs> would have happened if
0: if man was a young filmmaker today. That's exactly what would have happened. It would be a ten well, episode right. miniseries,
2: at, like the Netflix like Dark Crystal thing. It's like, is do I need to know all of this? And like, <laughs> oh, all these different, you know, what are they? They're not Cylons. What are they called oh, the I bad know guys. about
1: the, the, the Skeksis.
2: Yes, thank you. Where I'm just like. Why are you doing this? Yeah, why, so... why? Why are you doing this?
1: It's so funny. I have watched those two, and like you know, and don't get me wrong, I love puppets as much as the next guy, and like that world's entertaining. You know, I'm a, I like all of Brian Froud's artwork or whatever, but uh, mm-hmm. but it is like, like yeah, it, you just you lose so much of the mist. Like what I'm realizing yeah. doing this podcast, especially, is like so much of what makes a movie great. Is the Are those unanswered questions And the allure and the mystique right. And when you mm-hmm. fucking like take that away With like a, a 10 episode Miniseries detailing the origin Of like you know why Kermit wants to be a Banjo player or whatever the fuck Disney Plus is going to release or whatever Like not, just let him be a banjo player We don't need to answer that question it's fine like- No it's <laughs> that
2: that's, A movie exists within the frame Of the mm-hmm. movie like yeah. I don't get to see What the camera's not showing me -hmm. That's what makes it a movie. Yeah.
1: Yes, (laughs) I agree.
0: Uh... Yeah, I mean, I like the only time (laughs) I'm for uh, world building is when it comes to 80s slasher movies and trying to explain Jason's origins or Michael Myers' origins, and it gets weirder and weirder over time, and then it gets retconned and stuff like that. I appreciate that level of
2: weirdness. Before the world (laughs) blew up, me and Jared Loke and we're getting together and watching every Friday the 13th. And watching them back to back is so much fun because it's like, he he takes his, you think it's a big moment in every movie. And then you're like, wait, no, he takes his mask off in every single movie and he looks different every single time. It's madness. It's just wonderful.
0: Yeah, I I would be for like way more lore if if there were continuity errors and weirdness all the way through and they weren't trying to keep up with it at all. I think that, they, that yeah. at least would make it fun and strange and
1: yeah. kind of
0: um, intriguing all the way through. Like, what are they going to do this time? I mean, that was like the glory of the Mission Impossible movies was Cruz would hire a weird director for each one of them and it would take an entirely different tone and spin, at least for the first ones. Now, I don't yeah. think they're doing that anymore, but it's like going from Brian De Palma to John Woo Which- is awesome.
2: Right. I was I just found like a VHS of Mission Impossible, the first one. And I was like, oh, I don't have this. i so grab it. And I'm looking at it and I was like, when the fuck did Brian De Palma direct this movie? Like, <laughs> What? That was a revelation. I'm sure I knew it at the time, but it's one of those things you forget about. But when it becomes just, oh, Tom Cruise has a new Mission Impossible movie coming out this week, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: yeah well what's crazy too is like uh, the, for the next movie the newest one coming out they're bringing back like the character from the first movie the guy who was like the M- imf like henry oh Truth.
0: yeah they're yeah they're bringing him back for the and new like, one how yeah. do you
1: tie that dude and see i, yeah, I like it's, it's like the, galora,
0: like, the glory of the mission Impossible movies it's like the after the first four you could have asked me what character what is tom cruise's character name In the Mission Impossible, and I would not have known. Yeah, didn't Uh, because it didn't matter.
2: Yeah, Yeah.
0: (laughs) it didn't matter, but now it matters. There's all sorts of uh, we gotta know like his backstory and bullshit like that. It's Mm -hmm. like
1: that's why people love the Fast and the Furious movies because it's like it's like a thing that like doesn't like. On what planet does this need a lore? And to Mm -hmm. give like that insane film, like the fact that there's like a, I bet there's a Fast and the Furious wiki. And it probably has like five thousand articles or some
0: shit. Well, the heightening of the Fast and the Furious films is very impressive. How they went from it went from being a generic point break rip off about street racers to them being these like globe trotting crime stoppers is uh, is pretty impressive. I don't know how they did it. Like it's pretty cool. It's incredible.
2: <laughs> Every movie is the same thing. It's someone angrily leaning against a car talking to someone else. Who's also angry with their (laughs) arms crossed. And they say, so are we going to do this again? (laughs) But that's that legit happens in every movie. It's like, all right, let's, let's do our, this is the thing that we do. You know what we do. What do you do? You drive cars. And then somehow
0: the bad guys become their friends. And they all enjoy Coronas at a cookout at the end of the movie. And
2: it's wonderful stuff.
1: Looks like we can only solve this problem by cars. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing we've
2: got all these cars. We've got all these problems. Yeah. The,
1: the, 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 this, this terrorist is a truck man. <laughs> We're going to have to race him. He's a major but, type.
0: We should um we should probably get to the the big question of this episode. You know, this Godfather three Godfather Coda. We're talking about Pacino performances this season. Yes. Um, does his performance in this film rank in that, you know, upper echelon that should it have been in our tournament? Mm. Is the question, um, you know, Patrick, I'll put it to you first. You know, you've you've seen all 16 movies already that we've covered.
1: Uh, you know, I mean, I guess there's a world, maybe, where you could put this in the hoo category. Maybe, uh, you know, you take out either Devil's Advocate or... Uh, uh, or but I love Devil's Advocate. That Can't take so out fun. Devil's Advocate. Yeah. The, the thing is, <laughs> like, Al Pacino, like, they're all bangers. So, like, there's really no movie you can take out. And if I were to put another move sub in a movie for one of the movies we have on the bracket, like I would want to put like injustice for all or see a love. Like there are better movies, more deserving or even Dick Tracy. That'd be a fun who, uh, and so, uh, you know, with a, a heavy heart, I'd have to say, maybe if this was like a 32 seed bracket where we just did every Al Pacino <laughs> movie, that would be fun. Like we'd go insane. We'd lose our minds. We'd be broken men, even more broken yeah. than we are already. But, uh, uh, but you know, uh, it's I'm glad we're watching it. Uh and I'm not like it's not like a you know, maybe it was a little bit of a waste of seeing. It. I think I've seen this movie like four times now. Like twice coda, twice. So like I feel like maybe that's way more Godfather part three than any person on earth should watch. Mm-hmm. But uh but you know, uh nah. I'm good. We're good. We did a good job with the bracket this time around.
0: Yeah, I think so yeah. too. I think uh I think I think I'm glad that the coda exists. I think it's really cool yeah like coppola got the chance to do it i think um you yeah, know i think he realized there was some unfinished business there and went for yeah. it
2: yeah um, sometimes it's, sometimes it's a cash grab or it's just a it's a way to sell a dvd or whatever mm-hmm. for like oh the director's cut the unrated cut the whatever i mean very rarely do you get like like a uh like legend if you watch the director's cut of Legend, you're like, why the why would they fuck with this movie? Mm-hmm. You know, the TV version or the, the, the theatrical version, whatever. It's just like because even like Blade Runner, it's like. I've never seen a cut of Blade Runner that I didn't enjoy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but I've, I've I've never seen a cut to where I was like, all right, now I see. Finally, he get, but like legend is is it's crazy how much better the Ridley Scott cut is than the theatrical cut. Mm. Um, and to me, it's crazy how many subtle changes Coppola was able to do to Coda to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas like three is a movie I because I watched the theatrical version of legend and I'm like, I love this movie. I watched the Ridley Scott cut, and I'm like, "Why did they? Like, it never dawned on me. Oh, they fucked it up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I think Pacino's performance in this, it's, you're, I think Matt kind of summed it up earlier. It's way more Al Pacino than it is yeah, Michael Corleone
2: in, in that theater run where, you know, I didn't, I didn't even real, I didn't even notice that five year gap. Mm-hmm you know but like he I don't I I actually posed this question once before to some people I was like when exactly did Pacino lose his mind you know (laughs) where because I mean it's because I always think of like devil's advocate is like that's when it's you know the die was cast but like was it Dick Tracy it might have been Dick Tracy because it was like even in and of itself, he's playing a cartoon character. And then he never came. Somehow, somehow that was the role he lost himself in forever and was never (laughs) able to come back. Like they say, like when Bill Murray played Hunter Thompson and Where the Buffalo Roam, he wasn't the same for like a year or two afterwards. But the fact that (laughs) Big Boy (laughs) (laughs) like overtook fucking Al Pacino. And never let go of them is is incredible to me.
0: It's 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 very. He was nominated for Dick Tracy.
1: He was nominated
0: it's for a, best supporting actor. It's an Active. incredible
2: performance. Yeah.
0: And you know that this and then probably the icing on the cake is, um, you know, scent of a woman, right after this, oh,
2: man. right. Which that, is still a, it's a great performance, but it's like God, it is like it's bonkers. Man, is he over the? T- he's bonkers in it
0: yeah it's a it's a strange movie you know we've both Patrick and I have watched it again going into next week's episode already and um it is you know not to tease too much but it is crazy that that movie was such a big hit it was nominated for a ton of Academy Awards and to this day people like my dad are like oh it's one of the greats it's one of its great yeah performances like it's just kind of has
2: been ingrained in people's minds Yeah, you want to hear something funny i have a friend who's in her early 20s and she watched it and she was like i thought he played a serial killer in it (laughs) (laughs) and then like the movie's going on and on she's like wait what is this movie it it is a
0: uh and it's also almost three hours long which is absolutely insane
2: yeah, but, but like that final scene where he tells off everybody, that monologue is just yeah. incredible. He
1: he he becomes the the hero of school court or whatever yeah. the hell that <laughs> whatever is. Whatever it's not a court yeah.
0: not a courtroom, but it is. We're gonna do it in front of everybody. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. it's crazy. <laughs> Wouldn't want to get tension at that
1: school. Yeah, no
0: shit. Well, you're not a baird man. Yeah. Um but yeah, <laughs> I, think, bad man. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's it's it, it's an interesting film. I think it's I don't think, uh, yeah, I've never thought Godfather Three was a movie to like completely just shove aside and throw into the dust, you know, spend of time and never forget, you know, forget mm-hmm. uh, it's. It's good to know that it's around. It's good to watch. Um, it's definitely a step down from Coppola's seventies work, but there's still some very interesting stuff in it. Um, did, Matt, did you have any final thoughts on Godfather Three, Godfather Coda?
2: Um. I mean, just that uh, Coda is worth watching. Um, and if anybody has never watched Godfather 3 or the Godfather films, my suggestion would be to watch 1, 2 and then watch Coda mm-hmm. and skip over 3 because it is a vast improvement. Um, but I mean, in and of itself... It's, uh, again, I mean, I, I will say it until I'm blue in the face. I can't believe he was able to make the changes necessary to make that movie work. Uh, I'm, and, I mean, you, you just, in a vacuum, you watch Godfather 1 or 2 or Apocalypse Now or, or you know, take your pick, and it's easy to be impressed with Francis Coppola but the fact that he was able to do that, to be able to be objective about his work to the point of like, oh, I see what I did. It's it's pretty wild. Very impressive. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That was the uh, Godfather
0: 3, Godfather Coda. You know, check him out. I think, yeah, I agree. Coda's worth watching. We're um, Moving on, we're going to talk this, our little game to close out this episode this week is, um, uh, let's call it the... The road to WrestleMania game. Um, obviously, in the world of professional wrestling, there are a lot of amazing, crazy stories that could be transferred to um, films, biopics. You know, there there are a lot of characters in and out of the ring. Um, Al Pacino's never been in a film about professional wrestling, but he is a big enough performer that I think he'd uh, I think he'd fit in quite. Well, despite, um, you know, I think we have to put a disclaimer here about him being like 5'7 and not a muscular man um, (laughs) to to play any of these roles. You know, he's obviously does not have the size to play many of these roles, but I think he could play a few. So if Al Pacino was starring in a professional wrestling biopic, um. What story would you like to see him be a part of? And who would you like to see him play? Uh, Patrick, would you like to go first?
1: Yeah, you know what? Um, and I'll make an admittance. I'm not a huge uh, wrestling guy. I just, I just never grew up with uh, wrestling as much as like other uh, nerdy things. But like, uh, and so I don't know that many wrestlers off the top of my head, unfortunately. But like, okay, so I will say I did have one favorite wrestler growing up. But unfortunately, I don't think... Here's the thing you would do it he'd star in it but it would have to be like a mocap thing or like like the or you'd have to CGI his face onto a different actor because when I was a kid I really liked Bam bam Bigelow I was a huge bam bam Bigelow fan for some reason that was the one wrestler. I remember like watching him wrestle like the one time I've ever watched wrestling in my life was at my grandpa's house he was just watching it on TV. And I was like, I love this man. Like, you know, I am printed on him the way a baby duck and prints on a mother duck. And I just decided at that point when I was maybe like seven or eight, this is going to be the wrestler I love.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: uh, you know, Bam and Bigelow like uh, had a very tough, crazy life. I think at like one point he like went into like a, a burning house and like saved people from a burning house or something like that. But then like he got like really bad, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah I think I heard that story and too. And, you know,
1: that kind of like led to. Is like decline in some ways and so like if you could somehow like I don't know if you like take like Bautista's body and like put like Pacino's head or like maybe not Batista, that's the wrong but like I don't know what you would or if like it's like elaborate you know Rick Baker style you know visual <laughs> special effects or like maybe Al Pacino just bulks the fuck up I'm not sure uh but uh, yeah give me the Bam Bam Pacino story.
0: I'd like to see Pacino go on a major steroid cycle at eighty-one years old. I think that that's uh, that, and he's hanging. We, you know, I mean, our, you know, our beloved video with him and Stallone and Guy Fieri. I mean, he uh, he is friendly with Stallone. I think, um, I think it could happen.
1: Yeah, it could happen. Stallone, you know, show him the light. Give him so.
0: So my my pitch is uh, the the story that's always fascinated me in wrestling is without a doubt one of the big ones is the story of the Von Eric family uh texas based wrestling family in which um there was a patriarch fritz and then i believe he had um five or six sons oh, something wow. like that and um five out of the six died tragically and young and only one is alive today and i would love to see al pacino play fritz von Erich. I think that that would be a very interesting role for him to play. Obviously, he's too old now, um, because he's. but I think uh, that would have been a cool one for him to play kind of this patriarch who's trying to like do this business and push his children in this one direction and kind of see tragic results come from a lot of his pushing as a father. I think would be a uh, very dramatic, very interesting story. So that would be my but much darker than a weird Al Pacino mocap on Bam Bam Bigelow <laughs> performance. But that, that would be my, that would be my pitch. I think, um, I think that, I mean, I think that would be genuinely, a, I think there's a movie there about that family, regardless of if Pacino is playing the lead or not, but, but
2: uh, See, I would have him play Kevin, uh, the only son who's still alive. Oh,
0: that would be interesting.
2: Yeah. That would
0: be, that would be an interesting way to, uh, Way to pose it. Yeah. Because
2: Patrick, get a load of this. They well they had one son who didn't even uh, uh who died uh, when he was like like five, uh, I think. Six, five yeah. or six, yeah. <gasps> Got it, like electrocuted in the snow. Oh, Jesus. Um yeah. And then uh Kevin's still alive, mm-hmm. he's the only one. David there's controversy about how he died. He was in Japan and uh, there is the thought that he OD'd and then other wrestlers cleaned up the room Mm -hmm. and, uh, and believe it or not the promoter he was working for at the time, Giant Baba, was uh, an important enough man in Japan that he would have been able to have gotten the uh, autopsy report changed. Also, the, the wrestler
0: who supposedly cleaned up the room was Bruiser Brody, who has his own right. quite uh, an astonishing
2: story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, might,
1: I, I might need to become a wrestling
2: guy. You'd love it. Uh, and then the and then the other three all killed themselves by their own hand. Oh my god!
0: At like between the ages of like
2: twenty two yeah. and twenty eight or something yeah. like that. Mike, Chris, Carrie, mm-hmm. Carrie even got a gun from Fritz. Uh, got the gun from his dad. It's like, hmm, maybe that wasn't the best idea.
0: There's a lot of that in the family too, where they tell a story like there was a clear warning. Like, maybe we should keep an eye on them. And then they just let Kevin, him walk away.
2: Kevin finds Chris sitting out in the woods. And Chris is like, oh, did you find my note? It's like, what? No, I didn't find it. Just quit, quit talking shit. And then he left him there. He's sitting there with his, like, rifle. <laughs> and then he's like, he goes back to the house. And he's like, oh, shit. Maybe that was a bad idea. And goes back out. And it's just like, dude, God bless you. Put on a pair of shoes. I love you.
0: There's um, I mean, the other thing, too, that's so fascinating about Kerry was the fact that he wrestled the last few years of his career with one foot. Yeah, he was it's on a prosthetic. He
2: lost his leg in a motorcycle crash. Yeah. He, would, he would. The boys were always suspicious because Kerry would shower with his boots on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he didn't want to say I mean, and, you know, I, I it would what, what a story that would have been. The one legged
2: wrestler yeah. who is still going for it. But the, uh, the, but the, the level of self deception, um, I, I mean, Dave Meltzer put it so well in his Obit for Kerry Von Eric. He was like, when you live your entire life inside of a bubble, and especially the bubble of professional wrestling, where you're not living in reality, you're living in your bubble. When that bubble finally bursts, um, it's near impossible for someone to. Continue living, you know, because it's just like I can't live in reality. Mm -hmm. I live in this bubble, and the bubble's gone. So it's 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 brutal. Von eric's is a brutal story. It's fascinating.
0: Yeah, I mean, this. I mean, the stunning thing too. It's like after all that, to learn that Kevin's sons are wrestlers, and he like let like they're still sure. Oh well, you
2: you want you want a fucking trip? Watch uh, Carrie's daughter. there's there's a a, a supercut of her live streaming herself at this past WrestleCon, so like during COVID, um, like not a lot of fans there and stuff, and she's just like just having a few frosty pops and she's just running up and down about what she and she and she hates wrestling, but then she's like involved in it as yeah. well. Uh, it is quite something to behold. I'll tell you that much. Wow. Yeah, it's brutal.
0: It's, it's a crazy, yeah. I mean, what a story. Um, so Matt, what, uh, what,
2: what's your pitch? Um, I was going to say uh, uh, Dynamite Kid mm. would be an interesting story um, because it was just, it, it's just such a, he's just such a, it's the type of character an actor like Pacino would love to play because there is just so much going on. And there's so there's so many things on top of things, and he's just like not uh, a good person, and was just so like changed all of professional wrestling forever, mm. you know. Uh, everyone, and even whether they realize it or not, emulates the the Dynamite Kid's style, and then the way that it ended, and the way that he, you know, uh, just became so embittered um it's just as a matter of fact i believe it's this week or did, did it just happen or is it this did <laughs> they it just, just they
0: just uh, i watched it uh, yesterday the dark side of the ring and it's uh it's well obviously <laughs> worth watching but um, good good i mean i've uh, I a brutal story
2: scary it's story. a brutal story and like i read his book and like you want to talk about an autobiography where the guy's like like, yeah, this is exactly what happened. And I was a piece of shit and I probably still am. Um, like, I think the closest thing is, um, where is it? Uh, Warren Zevon's wife or widow did a, uh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And he was like, no, 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 make it like, let's, <laughs> let's talk about what exactly what happened. And, and, and the way he put it too, is he was like, I want my son to know exactly who his father was mm-hmm. good and bad pretty remarkable
0: yeah no the the, uh the dynamite kid story is i mean and you know i mean just to cap it off i mean by the fact that the person who was probably most influenced by the dynamite kid was Uh. chris 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 benoit (laughs) Um, you know to add to add to the darkness of that entire saga yeah uh but yeah i mean i think that (laughs) i think all these would be very interesting films so call hollywood um you know make it happen
1: (laughs) i think that is like the last like big role that's kind of like missing in al pacino's like catalog is like a big like bummer wrestler style sports biopic like i think that is like because i think the closest he gets to that is like donnie brasco maybe weirdly enough where he's like Mm -hmm. this rundown guy who's like you know I, i gave my life to this like organization and all i have to show for it is like you know 100k in debt and this sh- shitty tracksuit and so like, yeah uh, no yeah. Lefty's
0: definitely a guy who's like hanging around at conventions and stuff like that hoping to be noticed and hoping yeah. to give autographs oh, out God. and yeah 100 <laughs> yeah
2: yeah but I mean it's 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 too obvious of an answer but like Al Pacino should play Vince McMahon yes you know? that's just mm-hmm. the bottom line
0: yeah uh, this this should have happened in the last decade <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> yeah it could still happen The yeah, Irishman him I a little think bit. they're probably the same age actually.
0: Yeah, they're they're very similar.
2: Very yeah, it similar. Two, age range. Just Irishman at-
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, I think I mean I think outside of the fact, you know, Vince is much bigger than Al, it's right, it's all there.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the Vince McMahon movie should be like, you know, a different actor plays him at different stages of his life. So you mm-hmm. can you can get like Nicolas Cage as Vince McMahon in the like the the attitude era type thing or like what a dream that know, would be absolutely spectacular dude give me give me me that every day of the week like put put me on an island and i can never talk to anybody but i get to watch that movie (laughs) like and that's all i'm allowed to do for the next (laughs) you know 60 years however long i'm gonna be alive give it to me please sold man well
0: on that note uh you know thank you matt for i know you got you got to run you got uh stuff to take care of and we appreciate all of your time today it's been awesome it
2: it was a pleasure thank you for having me
0: is there anything you'd like to plug on your way out
2: uh yeah you know i mean uh, i host the we watch wrestling podcast every wednesday we got new episodes coming up and uh we're finally going to be doing live shows again um labor day weekend in chicago saturday at the beat kitchen kitchen it's going to be an afternoon show uh, if you're in town for uh, AEW, you're not going to miss any of the other shows. We're going to be going to GCW and AAW. It's going to be a great time. Come to the Beat Kitchen. Tickets available now. And um, usually on Tuesdays, I'm I'm on a show called In the Green Zoom where it's some comedians and we're, you know, it's like we're hanging out in a green room. Uh, uh, and then, um, you know, I mean, I haven't had time it takes a lot of time to do episodes of justifying my movie collection but the first 100 episodes are still available of that podcast you can check them out and i you know i i had a task of of trying to watch all every godzilla and king kong movie and mothra because mother's integral leading up to the big premiere of Godzilla versus Kong and they kept moving the release date and then COVID fucked everything up entirely. Um, and, and, but I do watch Godfather Coda on it. And I, and I do finally watch uh, broke, broke tradition because I have a huge, huge physical media collection and I would pick one thing each week and watch one video. And for the first time ever, I watched something that's not in my collection, and the day that it was out- released streaming on HBO Max, I finally watched uh, Godzilla versus Kong, and it kind of stands as, you know, the culmination of somehow years of <laughs> work. Uh, but yeah, all those things, and and my and my album "Sober Dad" is available on all. Okay, give me one minute. Thank you. I will be. Right there, sober dad. <laughs> sober dad, is the name of the record, and you—you're getting a glimpse into what it's like to be me. Uh, <laughs> well, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Bandcamp, all those great things. Gentlemen, I love you. I got to thank run. you, Matt. We thank appreciate you. all
0: of your time. Yeah, uh, so long live so physical media. We agree with you. Always. Oh
2: hell yeah, those
1: laser discs are so cool.
0: <laughs> well, thank you to Matt McCarthy. What a yeah. what a fun what a fun chat uh, we next week folks we're diving back into the tournament with yes. um, scent of a woman versus Donny brosco and you know what we're gonna add this to each episode because we we want to help you all out uh, scent of a woman is currently streaming on Amazon prime Donny brosco is currently streaming on stars if you don't have access to your DVD or blu-ray collection uh, please check them out going yeah. to the next episode. You know, we want to hear let us know if you're on board, if you're a big – if Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade does it for you, yeah. or if you're just going to live and dive with the uh, with Lefty. We want to know. Um, it's going to be a really fun episode. We're excited for that one. We're excited for all of them going forward. Um, thank you all again for uh, checking us out. We'll be back with a uh, more traditional episode next week, but, boy, what a fun one today.
1: Oh, man, too fun. So thank you all. Bye-bye già la luna in gelo, e io brucio d'amori foco che si consuma come lume e cori. L'anima ghiaccia, dolorata, non si dà pace ma chi mala lo tempo passa ma non a Giorna, non c'è mai suli.